0: Welcome to Praying the Psalms. My name is Anne Bradley Thomas. Today we'll be using Psalm 78. Laurel Dolan provided the opening and closing prayers from the book Reformed Prayers. The Contemplative Sunday School class started praying the Psalms in January to shape and form us, to speak to our hearts and minds, and to draw us to our Creator God. Pause to reflect on what is your intention for participating today. If you have a candle, light it as a reminder that God's loving presence is with you now. Before reading the Psalms, we'll spend some time centering ourselves. Get comfortable. Some find that putting their feet flat on the floor and letting their hands rest comfortably in their lap helps. Others might find another position that's better. You can sit on the floor if that works for you. This is your time, and it's important to start the practice by reminding yourself that the journey is more important than perfecting the practice. Spiritual practices are developed over a lifetime. Some days are easier than others to practice them. I invite you to notice your breathing. Are you breathing quickly or slowly? Simply notice without judging. Take in a deep breath, filling your lungs, and exhale slowly. Take another three or four of these deep breaths. The word for spirit in the Old Testament is Ruha, which is the same word for breath. As you breathe in, let the Spirit of God fill you. As you breathe out, offer to God all that claims your attention. Continue focusing on your breathing for another minute as a way to calm your mind and focus your attention on the time here today. You can also use this time to offer up a silent prayer to God. Psalm 78 is a long psalm, so we will read through it twice with a few minutes of silence after each reading. During silence, it's normal to have distracting thoughts. When you become aware that you're distracted, you can simply note that you're distracted and return your attention to God. Use a centering word like Jesus and say it silently to bring your focus back to prayer or focus on your breathing. Remember to have an attitude of non-judgment towards yourself and your thoughts. Eugene Peterson, in his book, Answering God, says that prayer begins as the most spontaneous of acts—pain, gratitude, and anger. But prayer matures into the practice of memory. Prayer is the intensification of life. The Psalms teach us to pray by immersing us in the streams of life as it comes to us, wet and wild. Psalm 78 is the story of God's great deeds and His people's faithlessness. It was composed to be used at a major festival. As you listen, imagine you're listening to an opening speaker who's setting the theme of a conference by reciting the history of that group at the beginning of the day. As you listen, remember you're not listening for knowledge. You are listening to hear God's voice speaking to you. Be aware of an image or insight that strikes you as you listen. Ask yourself, how is God speaking to me in this text right now? Before reading Eugene Peterson's translation from the message of Psalm 78, I will open us in prayer by Edward Thurston. Lord Jesus, we want to be people who watch, who expect your coming. We want to grow in you, to be among those in whom the power of your hope is at work and who confess you in word and deed. Awaken us, Lord. Do not let us sleep. You speak your powerful word always anew through the ages. Give us ears to hear. Amen. Listen, dear friends, to God's truth. Bend your ear to what I tell you. I'm chewing on the morsels of the proverb. I'll let you in on the sweet old truth. Stories we heard from our fathers, counsels we learned from our mother's knee. We're not keeping this to ourselves. We're passing it along to the next generation. God's fame and fortune, the marvelous things he has done. He planted a witness in Jacob, set his word firmly in Israel, then commanded our parents to teach it to their children so the next generation would know. And all the generations to come know the truth and tell the stories to their children can trust in God. Never forget the works of God, but keep his commandments to the letter. Heaven forbid they should be like their parents, bullheaded and bad, fickle and faithless bunch, who never stayed true to God. The Ephraimites, armed to the teeth, ran off when the battle began. They were cowards to God's covenant, refused to walk by his word. They forgot what he had done, marvels he had done right before their eyes. He performed miracles in plain sight of their parents in Egypt, out of the fields of Zan. He split the sea, they walked right through it. He piled the waters to the right and the left. He led them by day with a cloud, led them all the night long with a fiery torch. He split rocks in the wilderness, gave them all that they could drink from underground springs. He made creeks flow out of sheer rock and water poured out like a river. All they did was sin even more, rebel in the deserts against the high God. They tried to get their own way with God, clamoring for favors, for special attention. They whined like spoiled children. Why can't God give us a decent meal in this desert? Sure, he struck the rock and the water flowed, creeks cascaded from the rock. But how about some fresh baked bread? How about a nice cut of meat? When God heard that, he was furious. His anger flared against Jacob. He lost his temper with Israel. It was clear they didn't believe God, had no intention of trusting in his help. But God helped them anyway. He commanded the clouds and gave orders that opened the gates of heaven. He rained down showers of manna to eat. He gave them the bread of heaven. They ate the bread of the mighty angels. He sent them all the food they could eat. He let east winds break loose from the sky. He gave a strong push to the south wind. This time it was the birds that rained down, succulent birds, an abundance of birds. He aimed them right for the center of their camp. All around their tents there were birds. They ate and had their fill. He handed them everything they craved on a platter. But their greed knew no bounds. They stuffed their mouths with more and more. Finally, God was fed up. His anger erupted. He cut down their brightest and best. He laid low Israel's finest young men. And can you believe it? They kept right on sinning. All those wonders, and they still wouldn't believe. So their lives dribbled off to nothing. Nothing to show for their lives but a ghost town. When he cut them down, they came running for help. They turned and pled for mercy. They gave witness that God was their rock, that the high God was their redeemer. But they didn't mean a word of it. They lied through their teeth the whole time. They could not have cared less about him, wanting nothing to do with his covenant. And God, compassionate, forgave the sin, didn't destroy. Over and over, he reined in his anger, restrained his considerable wrath. He knew what they were made of. He knew there wasn't much to them. How often in the desert had they spurred him? tried his patience in those wilderness years. Time and again, they pushed him to the limit, provoked Israel's holy God. How quickly they forgot what he had done, forgot the day of rescue from the enemy. When he did miracles in Egypt, wonders on the plain of Zoan, he turned the river and its streams to blood, not a drop of water fit to drink. He sent flies which ate them alive and frogs which bedeviled them. He turned their harvest over to caterpillars, everything they had worked for to the locusts. He flattened their grapevines with the hail. A killing frost ruined their orchards. He pounded their cattle with hail, let thunderbolts loose from their herds. His anger flared a wild firestorm of havoc, an advance guard of disease carrying angels to clear the ground, preparing the way before him. He didn't spare those people. He let the plague rage through their lives. He killed all the Egyptians' firstborns, lusty infants, offsprings of Ham's volatility. Then he led his people out like sheep, took his flock safely through the wilderness. He took good care of them. They had nothing to fear. The sea took care of their enemies for good. He brought them into his holy land, this mountain he claimed for his own. He scattered everyone who got in their way. He staked out their inheritance for them. The tribes of Israel had their own place. But they kept on giving him a hard time, rebelling against God, the high God, refusing to do anything he told them. They were worse, if that's possible, than their parents, traitors, crooked as a corkscrew. Their pagan orgies provoked God's anger. Their obscene idolatries broke his heart. When God heard them carrying on, he was furious. He posted a huge no over Israel. He walked off and left Shalom empty, abandoning the shrine where he had met with Israel. He left his pride and joy go to the dogs, turned his back on the pride of his life. He turned them loose on the fields of battle. Angry, he let them fend for themselves. Their young men went to war and never came back. Their young women waited in vain. Their priests were massacred and their widows never shed a tear. Suddenly, the Lord was up on his feet like someone roused from a deep sleep, shouting like a drunken warrior. He hid his enemies hard, sending them running, yelping, not daring to look back. He disqualified Joseph, his leader, told Ephraim he didn't have what it takes. He chose the tribe of Judah instead, Mount Zion, which he loved so much. He built a sanctuary there, resplendent, solid, and lasting as the earth itself. Then he chose David, his servant, him picking him from his work in the sheep's pen. One day he was caring for the ewes and their lambs. The next day God had him shepherding Jacob, his people's Israel, his prized possession. His good heart made him a good shepherd. He guided the people wisely and well. Eugene Peterson also says that one way we recover and practice memory is in prayer is when we recover a realization of the many ways in which we are implicated in sin. As humans, we pretend that we're better than we are. We deny the evidence of sin. Sin is not what is wrong with our minds. It is the catastrophic disorder in which we find ourselves at odds with God. This is the human condition. The fact of this disorder is all around us and within us, but we prefer to forget them. To remember them is also to remember God, and to remember God is to have to live strenuously, vigorously, and in love. After listening to Nan Merrill's contemplative version of the psalm, sit with the word of God and God's love. Allow God to speak to you in the silence of your heart. God's first language is silence. Let go of your own words and let God's words soak in. Rest in God's loving presence. Listen well, O people of the earth, to inner promptings of the Spirit. Let silence enter your house that you may hear. For within your heart love speaks not the words of deeds, but the spiritual truths to guide you upon the paths of peace. Do not hide this from your children. Teach of the inner voice to help all generations to listen in the silence, that they may know the beloved and be free to follow the precepts of love. For the spirit of truth is written upon open hearts, that we might share the divine plan and model to the children love's way, as we have been shown, that each new generation might honor silence, the children yet unborn. Herein lies the hope of the future, to live as co-creators with the great creator, not like those who live in ignorance, too impatient to wait for love's word, whose spirits are not faithful to their birthright of love. Since the birth of consciousness, armed with free will, many there are who have rebelled against the Creator. They did not keep the great covenant, but refused to live according to love's way. They forgot their purpose and the beautiful plan and all that had been given as a gift. Throughout the ages, the eternal lover has shown the marvels of creation, wonders to behold. Remember how the sea was divided so the people passed through, how the waters stood at the wall. How the daytime they were led with a cloud and through the night with a fiery light. Recall how the rocks in the wilderness cracked open and the people might drink their fill as from the deep. Yes, streams came out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. Yet did the people close their hearts rebelling against the Most High living in the wilderness. Over and over they tested love by demanding that their desires be met. Speaking against love, they cried, Can the Mighty One not spread a feast for us? The rocks opened so that the water gushed out, the streams overflowed. Can we not also expect bread and meat to be provided for us? Did they not know how the rebellion separated them from the source of all that is? How often the people lost faith on the journey, not trusting in the saving power of the beloved. Even so, their complaints were answered with compassion, and the doors to heaven opened, raining down their sustenance, the very grain of heaven. They ate the bread of the angels, food was sent in abundance. The east wind blew in the heavens, and the south wind was called forth. Out of heaven's abundance came the winged bird, as many as the sand of the sea. They fell right in their midst, all around their habitation, and the people ate and were filled. All that they craved was given to them. Yet justice prevailed, retribution was made, even as their mouths were still filled with food. To restore the balance, the stronger among them died, the strongest in their midst. In spite of all this, the people continued to separate themselves from love. Their eyes and ears were closed, so they lived their days in fear and their years in terror. When they fell, they sought the Most High. They repented and sought help earnestly. They remembered when the rock was their strength, and the Almighty One, the Redeemer flattery poured from their mouths lies issued from their tongues their hearts were not filled with love they were not true to their covenant still the beloved being compassionate forgave their hypocrisy and gave them new life how patient was the eternal lover how blind to their fickle hearts knowing that they believed themselves to be but flesh a wind that passes and comes not again how often the people rebelled against love in the wilderness grieving the beloved with their distance. How often they tested love and turned their backs to the Holy One. They forgot the power of love and the times that they were saved. When they were confronted by signs and sustained by miracles, through all generations the rivers have flowed, rivers now polluted by greed. Through famine and floods the beloved have brought forth new life. All through the ages the earth has yielded its bountiful harvest, yet valleys and mountains, forests and fields have been misused. Yes, greed has become the great destroyer of life, taking without offering back, consuming the earth with abandon, leaving death, disease, and destruction in its wake. We cannot be spared what we have been sown. Generations to come will suffer from our willful ways. Their lives will be a mirror to blind and stubborn hearts. Injustive oppression, greed will turn back upon hearts of stone. Children unborn will reap a harvest of lost dreams. Even so... The source of all life remains faithful, ever ready to lead us out of the wilderness, to speak to us in the silence of our hearts. Yes, you are our hope, our strength, our comfort. Our fears will not overwhelm us. You will guide us to the new Jerusalem, to the mountain of hope, to the city of light. You will be ever living presence to those who call upon your name, to all who open their hearts to love. When, O peoples of the earth, will you stop testing and rebelling against the source of life? When will you awaken and live according to love, and attune yourselves to the music of the spheres? For as you turn back to the beloved, listening for love's voice within your own heart, you will live with integrity. You will radiate love. When you call upon the beloved, your prayers will be heard, your needs will be met abundantly. The beloved is a stranger to those who choose to walk in darkness to all who are enemies of the light. For you, love of all loves, gives us with freedom to follow the way of life or to live in the shadow of death. Who will awaken our sleeping minds and lift up our hearts to the truth? Who will rouse us from our apathy, quicken our spirits that we might serve your plan? The beloved awaits our response to the new dawn, where the people of the earth will be united in peace where harmony will reign forever in the beauty of diversity, and all nations may bow before the Most High. Those who choose the way of darkness will follow the road of ignorance and become lost. They know not the joy of abandonment to love's companioning presence. O people of earth, O nations around the globe, turn back to love. Build anew upon strong foundations. Renew your commitment to the divine plan. Listen long in the silence that the word may be heard, that decisions arise from the depths of your inner being where wisdom dwells. For the spirit of truth is written upon gentle and open hearts, not as on stones of old. With steadfast love will the Counselor guide you, and to all who abandon themselves to the Beloved will the divine plan be revealed. Amen and Amen. Before the closing prayer, offer up your own prayer of thanksgiving for this time. O God, who has greatly loved us and mercifully redeemed us, Give us grace that in everything we may yield ourselves, our wills, our works, a continual thank offering into thee through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.